This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Quarantine Cigarette at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 585 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Baum. It might seem like we're apart, we've been apart all these months, but we have one of those Krakoan gates that leads from my place to his, you know, we just hardly ever use it. Yeah, it leads from my restroom to his restroom, which is awkward yeah. at times, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I try He's to text first. Good toilet. I'm he coming through the door. Are you sure it's okay? You know? <laughs> of course, I am the Internet's Joe Patrick, your second head, but first in your hearts. This week, we're reviewing eight comics from New Comic Book Wednesday, August 12th. After that, it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss our must-read picks for next week. And finally, we got a wicked twist in our top five segment where we respond to the My5XMen hashtag with our definitive 5X peeps. By the way, uh, I believe it was comicbook.com acted like when James Gunn did this, not only is he directing the next X-Men movie, but these are the only X-Men that are in it. You're like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) All he did was respond to a fucking hashtag, you guys. Come on. It's all happening on this pulse-pounding episode! And it starts right now! It's review time of the cigarette! Wow. Yeah, I'm fired up. This week, we finally got to see Baby Snake Eyes. He's adorable. Tom Taylor <laughs> is telling secrets, and it turns out Jason Howard likes his ladies big. Real damn big. Oh, yeah. I mean, big as a house. Like weird but Japanese before- giant lady porn. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, they love but, it. <laughs> Weird. Gross. Stop it. <laughs> but before we get started, the THN bar manager has an X-themed cocktail to help wash your comics down. Justin, what are we drinking this week? All right, nerds. So this week we're talking X-Men. We're talking our definitive characters, teams. And I, I actually had individual cocktails for Wolverine, Gambit, and then in the last minute or so decided that I would rather do something that kind of embodies the the whole world of X-Men and really most comics um, considering the fact that you know most of all of our beloved characters that are going to hit these lists at one time or another have been killed off in a comic and then we go back in time or somehow they undo it or there's a clone or or something to the fact to get us back to the start so we can once again tell a new story without having to lose the character altogether. So this week, what are we doing? We're doing the Corpse Survivor, number two. The regular Corpse Survivor, nobody ever orders it. Everybody, when they order a Corpse Survivor, is literally asking for a number two. A number two consists of four main ingredients and then a fifth rinse. So the fifth you're gonna need is absinthe rinse. I think we've done this before on the Sazerac. I think we did it last week or the week before with the monkey gland. So you're gonna take three quarters of an ounce of all four of those things. So three quarters of an ounce gin, three quarters of an ounce Lulay Blanc, three quarters of an ounce 
uh, lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce Cointreau, or whatever orange liqueur you happen to be using. You're gonna throw those into a shaker. You're gonna shake, shake, shake. Before you pour the contents into a coupe, you're going to do an absinthe rinse, whether or not you pour the absinthe in and kind of wash it around, or you spray it on, or however you choose to do it, it's all up to you. Just drain off the excess. Strain the contents of your shaker right into that glass. Grab a lemon peel, mist over the top, and have one of the great classics. Everybody loves the Corpse Survivor number two. Um, always good for a hangover. Always see them on brunch cocktail venues for that very reason. So enjoy, nerds. So what should we call this one? I feel like we should name it after the Krakoan, like, uh, the five. That, like, revive everyone and make, you know, like, gold balls makes the yeah, weird yeah. gold ball egg or whatever. The, the Reviver. The Reviver. Oh, my God. It was right there. The Corpse Reviver. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. That's great. It is, an it. it is an excellent drink, by the way. And you can find the recipe in the notes for this show. Chin Chin Joe Patrick Excelsior. Hey, Excelsior, buddy. You want to go first or should I? Uh, I'll, I'll I can. Go. I'll kick us off. All right, go for it. First up this week for me is The Flash number 759. It's from DC Comics. Writer Joshua Williamson's final arc on The Flash kicks off in this issue with Barry Allen's body possessed by his greatest enemy, Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash. Williamson's run has had its ups and downs, as Matt has mentioned on the show before, uh, but I've always appreciated how hard he's worked to bring back classic concepts and characters that have been lost since the start of the New 52. That's on full display here as the Flash family is reunited and two speedsters that haven't been seen in nearly a decade make their return there's even a shout out to Bart's brief and disastrous time as the Flash. The less said about it, the better. Yeah. Rafa Sandoval and Scott Collins split art duties between Earth and Speed Force scenes, and it works pretty well. Flash 759 is part one of the story technically, but be warned that it definitely picks up right from the last one. So it might take a bit of catching up. I had to do a little bit of research because there were things I wasn't up to speed on but it's packed with emotional moments and a final page that had me pumping my fists in the air i'm giving it a buy it i did like this it was fun i feel like joshua williamson is trying to do maybe a jeff john's light if you know what I mean. like he's he's very much trying to pull on those same heartstrings that jeff johns did with the flash and scott collins yeah. even returns here which was fun but he just can't quite nail it. It's good. It's not great. And I don't know. Well, but since when is that our meter for what makes a good comic? I, I'm just saying, like, it's, I see him working, but he's not hitting me in the heart, you know? And, like, Eobard Thrawn takes over the Flash's body and shows up, and Impulse is like, oh, cool, Barry, you're here. And he's like, yeah, but I'm a weird, crazy asshole. And it, immediately he's not like, well, obviously you're not the flash, you know, <laughs> at first he's like, Oh man. And he has to think about it. You know? I don't know. I mean, he's an idiot kid. <laughs> I suppose it, this was fun and I am giving it a buy it. I just, I, I'm kind of glad that someone else is going to be taken over. I'll say that haters gonna hate, you know, what can you do? My first review goes to captain Marvel. Number 19 from Marvel comics. Kelly Thompson is still writing and Corey Smith is on art with inks by Adriano De Benedetto. I mentioned that because the two together 
are making a beautiful looking comic book. This issue takes place after Empire 4. Captain Marvel is now a Kree accuser, complete with a hammer. She's even got like a neat Kree costume. She's been sent to investigate a renegade Kree soldier that's accused of heinous crimes. But instead, the solicit says she uncovers the revelation of the year. One that will not only change Carol's whole world, but the shape of the galaxy. Okay, now here's the thing. That revelation happened last issue when we found out that Captain Marvel has a half-sister. So, when I was looking for comics to review, I read that solicit, and I says to myself, I says, Matt, you gotta fucking read this one! And it was great, don't get me wrong. Thompson has been riding the hell out of Carol. The art by Smith and Benedetto is slick as hell. This is a perfect tie into Empire, which I'm having a lot of fun reading, there's just no revelation of the year here. I don't know what the hell they were talking about. I'm giving it a buy it because it's a good comic, to, but there's nothing. I'm trying to remember, like maybe this, maybe the fact that it's her sister isn't the revelation they were talking about. What revelation was it then? There was nothing else. Literally nothing else. Well, I mean, the there was like the fact that she's not guilty. Okay. I mean, but I don't, yeah, I don't we know. Already I already mean, knew I that. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. They might, they may have just been speaking in broad strokes about the, the storyline. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I have a feeling that when they stretched out Empire the way they did and decided it's going to go all over the place and do all this stuff, that maybe some of the solicits didn't get rewritten or something. I don't sure. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was still but a I really, really like good issue. I, like, I have great. not read the current volume of Captain Marvel since uh, maybe the first issue when we reviewed it on the show. Um, or it may have even been the life, was it called the life story of Captain Marvel or the life and times of Captain Marvel, that little mini series that preceded it. That was great. Uh, where we met her mother. Yeah. That was really great. Uh, but yeah, I really liked this issue. Uh, I thought that the recap page did a tremendous job. It did. Definitely. Getting me up to speed on everything I needed to know. Yeah. Cause I'm several and, issues behind and if you had read Empire and then just picked this up, even though you probably should have picked up 18 first, you're not going to feel yeah. lost. You're right there. Yeah, because, I mean, it was labeled part two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, e I'm even behind on Empire, and I was like, I had no problems. Uh, I thought the art was great. I love the story about Carol being kind of conflicted by her new role as the accuser. Oh, uh, the hammer kind of, like, guides her, which is fun. Well, I mean, it kind of did like for it, Ronin, too. Her visions and stuff. Yeah, it, it worked that way for Ronin, too. Like, it could do all that stuff. I think we're just finally seeing what it's like through, like, a yeah. good guy's eyes. Uh, but, yeah, I thought this was a great, uh, a great event tie-in done really well. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Next up for me is Seven Secrets, number one from Boom Studios. Writer Tom Taylor and artist Daniela DiNicuolo present this tale about seven powerful secrets, words, wonders, weapons, and worse and the secret society sworn to protect them at all costs. Taylor does a great job setting up the order of the seven and like the hierarchy and everything and getting us introduced to the characters. Uh, but that exposition doesn't stand in the way of an action packed story filled with intense fight and chase scenes and huge emotional moments. I knew it was coming on the final page before I got there. Taylor still somehow made me care enough about the characters that I was gutted by it. Dina Cuolo's art is stunning and his action scenes are incredible. Though I did think some of his facial expressions were a little wonky with sudden giant anime eyes and angular features. 
very sharp mouths. Yeah. Other, otherwise, the art is gorgeous, helped immensely by the neon palette of colorists Walter Bayamonte and Katia Randall. Nope. Katia Ranali. Sorry, Katia. Tom Taylor is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers in comics right now. I'm definitely looking forward to more of Seven Secrets. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I thought it was great. I, I, some of my friends, some of my comic friends online were like, it was okay. Really? But I read it and I was like, no, this is awesome. I didn't see anything but rave reviews for this and I loved it. I, I didn't know what I was getting into at first. I feel like the solicit really didn't set you up for what was coming. I mean, it sort of, I mean, drops it on you, I guess, but man, this was interesting. It was a ton of fun, really well-written, had a really cool twist right in the middle of it that it sets off a whole new story. And I loved it. I thought the art was very Michael Avon Oming kind of sort of like cartoony, but not, I thought it was kind of a, uh, I thought it was a kind of a nice melding between uh, Dan Mora. Ooh, good who call. they reference in the solicit good and call. Michael Avon Oming who has that more kind of abstract style. Yeah. But this felt fresh. It was really interesting and I'm giving it a huge buy it. I think Tom Taylor is a really interesting up and coming creator. And yeah, I love this. Nothing but good things. I mean, we keep calling him up and coming, but he's been working consistently at Marvel and DC for over five years. Which is crazy because he started when he's 14 and he's only 19 now. So he's got so many good years he's ahead a real, of him. He's a regular gym shooter. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I was going to say Doogie Howser, but yeah, Jim Shooter works too. I mean, Jim Shooter got his first paying gig writing Legion of Superheroes at like age 13. Holy damn. That's crazy. Yeah. That's just like, I know. Man, it's like Tanya Tucker. She had her first hit at 13 too. That's nuts. My next review goes to Big Girls, number one from Image. This is written and drawn by your new double threat, Jason Howard. Something horrible happened in this near future story, and certain men started growing and mutating into giant monsters, which could happen by the end of 2020. I don't know. We'll see here. It might be happening now. It's true. No one knows why it started, but science countered it with giant defenders. Big girls. They grew just as massive, but these girls maintained their sanity. Humanity has been pushed back to a city called the Preserve. It's protected by Ember, who is one of the big girls. We don't really see any others, but they are mentioned here. That fight the giant mutated men known as Jax. Howard's art is much more action-packed and detailed than his sparse work on trees. He's packed his panels here with desperate scratchy shading that forces the action in your face. His script is very solid, too. The premise reminded me sort of a of Attack on Titan meets classic Godzilla movies. There's a lot of world building that Howard is doing here between the mystery of what happened to the giant men. Are the big girls victims or are they heroes? Do the Jacks have handlers of their own? This read pushed all my giant monster buttons and it really felt like a fresh idea. I had a lot of fun with this. I'm giving it a buy it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, Jason Howard, is a great artist. I really enjoy his work. He really and is. I thought his script was tight. It was really good. Uh, one thing that kept bugging me though, in this future fashion world, all of the characters dressed in actual clothes had these weird little, not cufflinks, sort of like cufflinks, but they extended above their collars and up onto their cheeks. So it was like, so like the main, the main guy, the main right. uh, head cheese 
uh, he had these like little squares attached to his collar that just sat above the rest of his collar on his cheeks. I don't know if that was like a... What the fuck is that? I kind of (laughs) thought maybe it was just sort of a part of their uniform. Like maybe this is how you identify who he is or something. Yeah, but but then it seemed like there was a character at the end uh, that they reveal at the end that had something similar going on. I don't know. It was. I thought it was distracting in a very silly way. Okay, without spoiling Um, anything, I think that character is supposed to have something similar like that to insinuate like, uh uh-oh. Oh yeah, that character is part of something. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, it's a, it's a, it's a design choice. It's, it's not a big deal. It's certainly not a deal breaker. This book was awesome. Yeah, maybe I'm reading I'm too far it into a, it. I don't know. What's that? I said maybe I was reading too far into that. I don't know. Uh, maybe I think it was just Jason Howard. It, it's like, yeah, this character's from the future. Look at all the made up slang they use. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this was a great read. I'm giving it a, a, a buy it as well. Lots and lots of fun. Point of order, no made up slang here. No, no. These these yeah. people spoke in actual English. Yes. Next up for me, Billionaire Island, number four from Ahoy Comics. Once again, as with Dr. Tomorrow from a couple weeks ago, I thought this was the final issue of the arc, and it totally wasn't. Why do you keep thinking this? It, look, this time it's not my fault. Everywhere you look, on the Diamond site, on Comic List, it's listed as number four of four. Oh, Okay. But yeah, whatever, whatever. Well, I think Ahoy is doing this like, yes, it's a limited series until it starts selling. And then we go, yeah, Maybe. it's a series. Here you go. Because if you look it up, if you look it up on the retailer site, uh, issues five and six are labeled number five of four and number six of four. <laughs> OK, well, yeah, maybe this is a new thing we don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> uh, whatever, though. Like Mark Russell's numbering. I, sac- I still don't get how it works. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't either. Uh, Mark Russell's biting satire of the privileged, ultra-rich elite pulls no punches while also managing to be laugh-out-loud funny. Uh, no spoilers here, but when I uh, when the identity of the United States president was revealed, I lost it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I lost it. I was like, yep, that tracks. Uh, Steve Pugue's art is fantastic, and if you look closely enough, you can find some slight likenesses to real-life rich dirtbags. If all, that's part of the fun, actually, it's yeah. like, oh, that's Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Oh, oh I can tell who that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if all of that isn't enough to sell you on it, here's my normal disclaimer about how all Ahoy comics pack in a ton of extra content beyond the main story for no extra charge. Billionaire Island is another incredible series from one of the smartest writers in comics. It's getting a huge buy it from me. It's really great. I don't think Ahoy has let us down yet. Right. Um, there have been some things that I didn't really care for. Captain Ginger with all the oh, cat puns. I didn't really dig that. That's right. That's um, right. But I will but say, like, I agree. Ahoy, like, understands we got to put value in our books. If we want people to buy them. Yeah. And they're doing and it. And their track record is far more hit than miss. Oh, yeah. It, like, they're killing it. In oh, my yeah. Book. I think if you look at Ahoy and AWA as, like, two new companies, Ahoy is <laughs> winning big time. So. Ahoy is winning, yes. <laughs> no, it's a huge buy for me. This is smart. This is funny. This is poignant. This is what Mark Russell does best. And if you like Mark Russell, then this is Mark Russell at his Mark Russell-iest. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm giving a huge buy it. I mean, it's like the world's greatest cautionary tale for something you can't really do anything about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which... Is both great and sucks. Like a a thousand years from now, humanity will look back at this and go, 
why didn't they see that coming? You know? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? My next review, all right, maybe I should say, we need to talk about Bloodshot number seven from Valiant. Tim Seeley continues his story here with new artist Mark Lamming coming on board. This is Burned Part One. It's a new storyline Valiant is calling The Perfect Jumping On Point. And nope. it seemed like a perfect time to check in on the second storyline, which is nope. all about a secret <laughs> installation where aliens, living weapons, and other nightmares are being kept by super secret government organization. But guess what? They escape! Better call in Bloodshot to clean up the mess, right? I am still digging Seeley's Bloodshot, but not as much as some of the earlier Bloodshot stuff, and I can't quite put my finger on why. Now, point of order here. Now that we've had a Bloodshot movie starring Vin Diesel, you can yep. see THN 565 for our review of the movie. It wasn't great. And Vin is even on one of the variants for this issue. I have to ask, why does comic Bloodshot still have hair? This seems like the easiest thing in the world. Just make him bald. <laughs> you know? And his haircut is terrible. Yeah, like Marvel had to do backflips to get us a black Nick Fury, you know? But this is an easy win for Valiant. Just make him bald. <laughs> I don't get it. Maybe, uh, maybe the nanites grow his hair back. That could be. Mark Lamming replaces Brett Booth on art with this issue, and he's good. There was some kind of strange combat panels, though, where a character the Bloodshot is supposed to be rescuing seems to be flying around, smashing flying robots. Now, maybe she has that power. I'm not really sure, as I didn't read past issue two of this latest series yet. And this might not be the perfect jumping on point that it's built. <laughs> this was another very solid Bloodshot issue, but I didn't have the slightest clue what was going on. There is not anything in the beginning that fills you in, certainly. Just gives you the basic... Bloodshot is a dude, and he killed a bunch of people, and then he got nanites, and now he's bloodshot. Go. You may want to start with issue one here, if you're going to get in. It's a good book. This is not a jumping on point, so I can only give this a skim it. Yeah, I'm struggling with my rating because this really didn't do anything for me at all. But I feel like giving it a leave it is punishing the book for my own lack of preparedness you that's know what kind I mean? of exactly where i was at uh and so i'm kind of i'm kind of where you're at I, like there's nothing wrong with the story uh it is impenetrable if you haven't been reading bloodshot the art is okay at and that's about the best i can say about it yeah um i'm not like a huge mark lambing fan but i would say he's one of those guys that gets the job done that's what i can say about yeah him. yeah yeah so like i can't sit here and go yeah this comic book was bad because I did read other very bad comic books this week. <laughs> but it it also, like, it just, there's nothing, there was nothing in it for me. But again, I didn't read past issue one, I think. No, I think number two. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to give it a skim it. Uh, just because it's it's not the worst. <laughs> but it takes some work. It's certainly be, not the jumping get, on You got to be invested in the story. Yeah, it's certainly not a jumping on point. No, definitely not. Joe Patrick, when I heard we were getting the origin of Snake Eyes, I thought we were getting an all-new origin of Snake Eyes. It turns out we're not. <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, my last review for this week is G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. I don't even know how, I don't even know the correct punctuation for this. So this is how I wrote it out. Hyphen? G.I. Joe, colon, A Real American Hero, hyphen, Snake Eyes, colon, 
the origin, <laughs> number one, from IDW. Well, this is what IDW does. They love naming comics. I think they get a nickel for every word that they put in a title at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This quote-unquote exclusive reprint presents the secret origin of Snake Eyes, which had been a complete mystery until these issues were first released in 1984. This was my first time reading these issues. I had, like, I loved the G.I. Joe comic back then, but my collection was scattered. So I'd never actually read these. And it really reminded me how much credit Larry Hama deserves for creating G.I. Joe as we know it as kids of the 80s. He, like, even the G.I. Joe of today, the modernized versions that they keep kicking us, Larry Hama... That that's built on what Larry Hama did. Oh yeah, without a doubt. We don't have it without this. Period. No. He has a great knack for dialogue, and I was caught off guard by how funny it could be at times with lines like, We were, of course, all ninjas. <laughs> when the, so that that's the soft master. He's posing as a Chinese slash uh like Peruvian or something uh, yeah. Restaurant owner Something like that But he's secretly a ninja master And he is explaining uh, He's he's retelling The origin of Snake Eyes right? Uh, and talking about The Arishikage uh, clan Which is not a word they use in this comic But uh, they talk about it Like the family business But it's really a clan of ninjas Yeah. And so they're talking about Snake Eyes Joining the family business and meeting the CEO and all that shit. And it's like, we were, of course, all ninjas. <laughs> and then these ninjas <laughs> pop out of the woodwork. Yeah. The art by Steve uh, Lealoha and Frank Springer is, it's of its time. I still it's love of its it. Time. I still love it. I, I think it's great. I really You do. know, I like, I like it too, but like held up to today's modern artists. I mean, it's obviously dated. Well, I just feel like they uh, were- I really got a kick out of reading these stories though. I feel like they were going for something different. They like wanted this to be superhero military, but not feel like superhero book. And Leah Hola was almost going for something a little more, I mean, less cartoony, but not necessarily realistic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely Uh, a style. This book oozed with style. Yeah. Uh, something that I something that I tend to forget about the early days of of GI Joe, how samey a lot of the characters looked. Oh yeah, because at first they were all just like military guy, military guy with a bazooka, military guy with a dog, yeah, military guy with a uh, 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 what do you call it, a metal detector, black guy, uh, <laughs> yeah, black <laughs> black guy in a military outfit, and so and girl. And, 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 <laughs> So, like, it took a while for them to be, like, introducing these outlandishly dressed characters right. like Spirit and Shipwreck right. and stuff. Before we got to Chuckles. Chuckles, <laughs> right, exactly. Look, this is a reprint of two 30-plus-year-old comics repackaged for five bucks. I'm not going above a skim it. It's definitely a product of his time, but it tickled the heart of this old fan to revisit this era. I loved it. I will give it a buy it, quite honestly, because if you look at the reprints, the Marvel reprints, they're those terrible recolored editions that just look awful. This was recolored very well and just looked like an updated version if that book was printed today. I think these are excellent reprints. I love this story. It was so much fun to revisit it. There are panels in this, and I want to say uh, 
recon when he's remembering what it was like when they fir- when he first met stalker pardon me stalker when he's remembering how he the fir- black guy yeah the other black guy <laughs> no he's the only black guy in this one in this one but he's not roadblock who was the first black guy yeah no this was i think yeah. this was pre-roadblock or at least roadblock wasn't in it well he's not in this issue but no this was not pre-roadblock yeah, yeah. he's remembering like when he first met Snake Eyes, and there's this thing where, like, the Snake Eyes has the their Arashikage or whatever clan tattoo, yeah, tattoo on his arm, and there's a panel where it's like his face with in, in like in red in the tattoo, and then it goes back. Oh to yeah, the like drawn in the shape of the yeah yeah. Awesome, like totally fucking awesome. <laughs> and it just reminded me how much I love this GI Joe run. I still have a complete GI Joe run. I will never part with it. This is a huge buy for me. It was just too much fun. I loved it. Obviously, I love it. I recommend it. It's hard for me to give a buy it to a reprint, but this is this was great. Um, I even loved. Uh, there was a shout out at the beginning to a character from the very early issues, uh, Quinn the Eskimo. Yeah, which I did not realize. Like it took me until adulthood to put together. Quinn the Eskimo being a reference to the song. Yeah. Come on. Mighty Quinn. <laughs> Come on with him. You ain't seen nothing like the mighty Quinn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. So much fun. G.I. Joe remains head and shoulders above my favorite oh, uh, yeah. property of the 80s. I, I do. I, the reason I give it a buy is because IDW obviously put a lot of work into this reprint. They didn't just throw it out there it is very well recolored it's very well put together very well restored and it's I think, also not eight dollars yeah it's also not eight dollars i think there's a lot of skill that went into this that's why it gets to buy it from me i'm not Fair. a jerk like joe patrick so i'm a jerk i get it my final review goes to john carpenter presents storm kids hyperbreed number one from storm king this was written by louise simonson and guy dorian senior with art by Guy Dorian Sr. and inks by Sal Bushima, who yeah. I thought was dead. <laughs> no, John's dead. Big John's dead. Yes, I, uh, now I remember that. It's about a group of three alien smugglers who are pursued by, well, I guess we don't really know who they are, but the crew calls them Mac Stalkers that may or may not be trying to steal their cargo. There's a big furry guy, a smaller furry woman, and a chameleon guy named Camo. Because he can change and disappear yeah you get it yeah Yeah. all right they spend most of the issue on the run and then the issue ends first off the title's way too long what is storm kids is it a kid's book i would say no because it's pretty violent john carpenter created the hyperbreed but simonson and dorian are writing the story (laughs) like what's going on here wait it's john carpenter i think you got it backwards I think it's John Carpenter presents Hyperbreed colon Storm Kids. No, it's the other way around. No, it's not because John Carpenter, it says in the beginning, like I, I spent several minutes staring at the credits page trying to parse the semantics of it because it said Hyperbreed created by John Carpenter, Storm Kids created by Louise Simonson. Okay, because the like, cover, I'm looking at the cover and the cover's at the top. John Carpenter presents Storm Kids. Hyperbreed, issue one of five. So that's even more confusing. I don't know. I just don't know what to make of it. It says Storm Kids right there, and then it says Hyperbreed. And John Carpenter came up with a Hyperbreed. Did he present the Storm Kids too? 
are the hyperbreed the storm kids? What the hell are the storm kids? I don't get it. Won't somebody please think of the storm kids? <laughs> Who will speak for the storm kids? The art has a very classic feel to it with some very modern coloring that does a little more harm than good, I would argue. The story feels like it takes place in two rooms in a spaceship, almost like they bet the writer that they couldn't make a story in two rooms in a spaceship. <laughs> and I can only recall one of the characters' names because it matched his powers. Apparently, Camo, yeah. apparently this was a free comic that was sent to shops this week for a billing for a comic that comes out next year or something. I... I don't know what Storm King is is going through. They're probably dealing with some shit with COVID, so I'm not going to smash them on this. I can, I'm giving this a skim it because the art wasn't bad. The story is not wonderful, and I don't really know what this is. It, 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 ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, like... Generic space comic starring It's aliens. a very old-school feeling, yeah. familiar... Cosmic action space opera. Totally. Um, like there are analogs for these characters in lots of different oh, space absolutely. books from the eighties. Uh, but it's like they colored the, the okay. hell out of this art that is shouldn't be this colored. <laughs> you know, there's like digital effects on the them. coloring is really fantastic. It's good, but it's like they put these digital effects on these characters that are not drawn well enough to give them a three D feel but the effects really want to give them a 3d feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. Uh, so yes, you were right. It, it does say John Carpenter presents storm kids, hyperbreed issue one of five. So I got that mixed up. So yeah, it says on the title page series created by John Carpenter and Sandy King, right? Hyperbreed created by Louise Simonson and guy Dorian senior. What are we reading about? I don't know. <laughs> That's just it. I don't know. What is what is this? <laughs> and there's a uh, bunch of other Storm Kids comics as well. Yeah, it was confusing. That have nothing to, like, to do with figure this. out what was happening. And as far as I can tell, unrelated. Like the other one I saw was some sort of like supernatural thing. Yeah, there's like three. There's like four horror books and then this space book. So I, I don't and, know. I don't and know. So what to it answer is. Uh, to answer another one of your questions, it says suggested ages twelve and older. So it's, I guess it's, uh, I mean T plus. Yeah, they're not. I mean, there's <laughs> a little bit of T violence. They're not cussing or anything. There's just some pretty. There's some gore. It's alien gore, so maybe that doesn't alien gore, count. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm giving this. I'm giving it a skim it, uh, because boy, they tried their hearts out, uh, and I like the idea. That Wheezy like rolled her chair over to her husband Walt and was like, "Hey, I need you to bust out a cover for this." Yeah. For me. <laughs> uh, so oh, you yeah, know we should call had me Sal. Chuckling. We should call Sal. He's not doing anything. He would love to help. <laughs> no, no, you're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's fun in a very like kind of throwbacky way, but there's. There's no reason at all for me to seek out more of this. No, no, not really. So, Joe Patrick, new little segment at the end of our reviews here. Which book wins? Yeah. Let's let's pick. We always pick like our must-read picks for next week, but then we read them. Which book wins? Yeah. What do you think? You know, uh, this week I'm giving it to Seven Secrets. I am too. 
and, and, and it's not close. I had fun with Big Girls. Big Girls is a great book. But Seven Secrets felt so fresh, so new. I, I mean, and like I read it twice because I was just like, I really enjoyed that. That was a fun book. Uh, it would have been Billionaire Island, but uh, as a debut issue, Seven Secrets killed it. Yeah, I'm really excited for more. And I think it's going to be a heck of a series. Yeah. That is your new comic reviews for this weekend. Wootoom! Is the sound of a dark side possessed cyborg blasting his teammates as seen in the pages of this week's Justice League Odyssey, number 23. This onomatopoeia of the week comes courtesy of at Comic Book Effects on Twitter. And if you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can post it to any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Or better yet, you can call us at 402-819-4894 and make the noise yourself. Here's the most important part. You have to tell us who or what is making said noise and what need the comic book it is coming from. Yes. That's and important And look, guys, part. we appreciate your efforts. Yeah. And we know that, that such and such might be your favorite comic by your favorite writer. Sure. But your booms and your blams yeah. just ain't cutting it. Let's get weird. There's so much fun, weird stuff out there. That's what yeah. we're here to celebrate, the weird ones. Appreciate you. You know who you are. Love we you. appreciate you. Love you. But come on, let's get crazy. That is it for reviews, and now it's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're having a seance to talk to the ghost of DC's future so we can save DC in the present. Because it's bad. And we're rapping about our must-read picks for next week, Wednesday, August 19th. Matt, what's your pick? My pick for next week goes to Shadow Service. Number one from Vault Comics. It's written by Kavan Scott with art by Corin Howell. Here's your solicit. Worried your partner is cheating? Need a missing person found? Gina Myers is a private investigator for you. She's a witch who worries that her powers make her more of a monster than the crooks she's trying to catch. But it's not like London's criminal underground is literally going to hell, is it? Spycraft meets black magic in the shadowy world of MI666. How has no one come up with that yet? That's too good. <laughs> that I'm just reading that solicit. I don't care if the comic sucks. That kicks ass. <laughs> That's a pretty, yeah, pretty smart idea. Joe Patrick, what's your pick? Uh, you know what? It was almost shadow service, but I could not pass up. Maestro number one from Marvel Comics, written by Peter David, from with art by Dale Keown and German. Peralta. This is from the guy that just gave a reprint, like a, a skimmit. <laughs> this isn't a reprint. It's not? I thought this is a reprint. No, no. Really? Really. Oh. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. It says it right here, Matt. It's the story you've waited decades for, the origin of the maestro. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Almost 30 years after the landmark story, Future Imperfect. Holy shit, really? Yeah. God damn it. Oh, you know what? I'm confused because they released the reprint last week, and this is next Oh, uh, sure. That's what it is. Okay. Legendary Incredible Hulk scribe Peter David returns to the far future version of the Hulk known as Maestro, the master of what remains of the world. With astounding art from Hulk veteran Dale Keown. Yeah, I read that part. Maestro will answer questions that have haunted Hulk fans for years and inspire some new ones. How did the world fall? And the Maestro rise. What happened to the world's heroes in between? And where is the Hulk we know and love? Find out here. 
that was my favorite part of Future Imperfect is when we see the inside of Rick Jones's trophy room. Oh yeah. And it's just like broken cap shield, Wolverine skeleton, yep. Nova helmet, tattered Daredevil cap. What the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah. uh, Mjolnir like shattered to pieces, that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, oh, what happened? Uh, and now we're going to find out by the man himself. I can't wait. I will not apologize for my love of Dale Keown. I won't do it. He's a great artist. He There's nothing to apologize for. He is a fantastic artist, and I love, way back in the 90s, I loved him. Everything that guy's done, I yeah. love him. My, Grossly irresponsible. My only com- terrible work ethic. My only complaint is that he doesn't get shit done. <laughs> like, come on, I mean, man. have matured over the years. We don't know. Damn it, Dale. The THN Trade of the Week goes to The Quotable Giant Days, the graphic novel from Boom Studios. It's written and drawn by John Allison, Lisa Tremaine, and Max Saren. It is 160 pages for $14.99. Here is your solicit. Award-winning Giant Days creators John Allison, Lisa Tremaine, I just said that, present the unforgettable guide to getting through the day when every moment is bursting with feelings, collecting some of the most beloved moments from the Eisner award-winning series with panels, quotes, and all new art from Max Saren. This is a must-have for any Giant Days fan and a great jumping-on point for fans in waiting. We have talked about Giant Days before. It is a wonderful book. It is a book that I just can't read right now because, you know... I mean, we're all a little more emotional at the moment. You know, COVID's acting up and I stuff mean, like. Giant Days isn't even really that emotional. It's not, but when it gets you, it gets you. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, like, I just need I love bullshit that, right I now. I love that series. Can I just read Maestro, please? <laughs> like, I just need sure, bullshit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can't, let's see Captain Marvel hit something with a hammer. Exactly. Please, God. <laughs> I love Giant Days so much. I'm I'm hoping this is more than just like. Here's some panels that you've already read and a couple of pinups. I'm hoping it's more like one of those companion books they used to make. You know, I think it with is. Like commentary from the writers. I think that's what they're talking about. So I've got my fingers crossed for something more like that. Uh, regardless, I'll definitely be giving it a read. I love Giant Days. And if you've never read it, check this out. It is, it'll be a great taste yeah. of what we've been uh beaming about for all these years or just go to your comic store and pick up giant days go pick up the trade paperback don't mess around get that and then get this it's wonderful like i said be sure to hit up your local comic store add these comics to your list so you can read along at home let us know what you're reading over at our facebook page where every wednesday you can find your official thn reading list if you guys want to play along guys and girls and people that don't choose Non-gender conformed. Yeah, yeah. You entities can play along. How's that? <laughs> hey, it's like Pepe the Prawn said, baby, gender is fluid. That's right. One, two, three, four, five. Breakdown, baby. With the My Five X-Men hashtag blowing up Twitter this past weekend, we were inundated with requests for our list. That's a lie. Keep reading. We just didn't want to we just keep, didn't want to finish reading keep, that big thick book keep I picked. Reading. <laughs> you people wouldn't let us sleep. It was insanity. There were people in my yard. It was crazy. <laughs> Here's the deal, tweeters. We don't just give that garbage away. You got to download the show. If you want to hear our definitive five X-Men as part of our THN top five segment. So let's get into it. Matt, these will not be in any particular order. That's impossible. Yeah, let's lay this out first. So we're doing my five X-Men. 
and this is not a ranking of five to one. It's just my five definitive X-Men. You can think yeah. about it as a team or you can think about it as just like, these are my five favorite X-Men. I chose a solid seven. I can whittle it down to six. By the time we get to one, I will five. have settled on five. It's got to be five. <laughs> this is so, so much gonna, harder than I thought it was going to be. I know. Uh, so I'm going to start with the ones that I know definitely are there no matter what. And so my number five is Storm. Uh, I think Storm is, she's an Omega level mutant. She's uh, an awesome character. Absolutely. And I think that the X-Men are fools to ever leave her behind. Yeah. number My number four is Storm, without a doubt. Like Storm is one of those characters that I always want to be an X person. I want to be part of the X team. I don't care what team she's on or book she's in, but she needs to be present. She needs to be who she is. She is important to that team. She's like the soul of that team, if you will. Yes. The moral center. She really is like Storm has freaked out before, but Storm's never like gone evil or become like a herald of, you know, apocalypse or some shit. Like Storm has always been the one that's voiced her opinion. Being like, we can't do this. No, this is bad. This is wrong. Yeah. I yeah, won't she's have the voice this. Of reason. And she's divorced herself from the X-Men at times when they were doing something wrong. Yeah. Storm is great. Storm should always be front yes. and center in the X-Men, in my opinion. I love Aurora uh, so Monroe. You named your number four. I'll just roll right into my number four. Hold on. Specifically, um, Mohawk Storm. <laughs> well, sure. I'm getting real specific uh, here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of approached this like building a D&D team, like a balanced D&D team. And then I started thinking about it needing to be my favorite characters. So what I settled on was, all right, I'll take my favorites from each class, if you will. Number four for me, Colossus. Colossus always is there. He's the best tank. The X-Men's greatest tank. Oh, without a doubt. So my number three is also Colossus. Uh, God damn it, man. (laughs) Well, Colossus has been far and away one of my favorite Marvel characters, period. Not just X-Men, but the the emotional journey that I went on with Colossus in the 80s was amazing. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. And, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s, they kind of lost some of that. I would argue Joss Whedon was the one that really nailed it when with Astonishing X-Men and brought Colossus back. I don't think they've done enough with the character recently. And I would like to see some more Colossus. I've always loved that character. He is the coolest fucking looking X-Man. No question. I mean, my God, that dude flexing all steel with the lines. And yeah, I want him badass. God, he looks amazing. Yeah. Colossus is definitely my number three. So here's where it gets dicey for me. This is where it got dicey for, for me, where I was like, okay, I can name two. No question. And now I get to my bottom three or my top three, if you will. And I have to like figure out a way to narrow it down from five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at first I thought for sure, I knew it was going to be Kitty pride. I was like, it's gotta be Kitty, right? Colossus and Kitty, Kitty yeah. and storm. Yes. The dynamics are yes. like the stories write themselves. Spoiler. She's my number two. <laughs> I gave my number three to nightcrawler. That's fair. That's totally fair. I, I just, I, I love Nightcrawler too much. I love him too much. Yeah. And I love Kitty as well. And I still haven't completely made up my mind about who's going to get those last two spots. I've got it down to between three characters. 
You just said that Kitty Pride was your number. She's what? my number two. So it's Son back to you, bitch. buddy. <laughs> so I, gotta- <laughs> I love Kitty so much. And I have loved Kitty like since she was Ariel and Sprite and all that bullshit. I just loved that character. They introduced her as a kid. She grew up. She became like she ran the school for a little while. I loved her blue costume. I loved her yellow costume. <laughs> like I've always loved Kitty. I loved her when she was on Excalibur. She's yeah, always just been a kick-ass character and like so tough. I love her in the Marauders right now. She's been great. Yeah, Captain Kate. They just killed her, apparently. So she's not. Yeah, they've already. <laughs> that's not a big deal. Came out and they're we like, she's speak. coming back. Don't worry about well, it. Well, we'll see. I think there's going to be something there because like she couldn't walk through the gates of Krakoa. Yeah. So I, mean, I have it, a like, feeling. They, they just, like we got a press release from Marvel today that says, Marauders number 12, Captain Kate is back. Yeah, but I'm so, just saying like, I, I don't, don't think it's going to happen the same way. I don't think the five are going to be able to revive her. Like we're learning. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We are learning we'll, something we'll about that character. Yeah. Ah, God damn it. This is super hard, right? Fuck it. Number two, Kitty Pride. <laughs> no, come on, you coward. Come no, on. no. <laughs> you, had, right. you were fighting with something else. What were you fighting with? Well, I haven't named my number one yet, so I know, calm down. But what were you fighting with for your number two spot? Because you like you you just I saw you sweat. These are in no particular order. I this get is it. just to this is just to fill a fill a space. Um I, I think Kitty is just her dynamic with Colossus, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Storm. Too much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Too much fun. Definitely. And that's what I love about the X-Men is their interactions. Uh so yeah, Kitty Pride's my number two. My number one is, is tough because I want to say Nightcrawler. I want to say Wolverine. Like Wolverine is in my heart, like absolutely my favorite Marvel character. Wolverine and Daredevil, tied, easy for my favorite Marvel characters. But the reality of it is if there is one character that I have loved through being a good guy, through being a bad guy, and just felt like Damn a it. constant presence in You're gonna the X-Men... It. It's Magneto. Oh, I curveball love Magneto so much. Like one of my favorite bad guys. And when he's good, he's one of my favorite good guys. <laughs> like, cause he's not quite good. He's still super scary. I love what Hickman is doing with him. There's obviously something huge going on here. I loved Magneto's heel turn back in the eighties when he became a good guy. Magneto ran the school for a while and shit. I love Professor X and Magneto's relationship. It is one of my favorite things about the X-Men because no matter how evil Eric is or how terrifying he becomes, Charles is always going to give him the benefit of the doubt and work with him. And at the end of the day, Magneto's like, it's because we're both mutants, right? And Charles is like, no, it's because we're friends. And Charles, and Magneto's yeah. like, yeah, it's because we're mutants. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, mutant friends. Magneto, it, like, he is such a huge part of the X stories, whether he's a good guy or bad guy. I don't ever want him to be gone. I love Magneto. He's my number one. All right. It was almost Captain I, Britain, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. I know. It like, was what? It was almost Captain Britain, <laughs> which doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But he's like so ex-adjacent and I love him so yeah, much. Right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. It's dupe. Nope. Nope. Uh, I told myself I wasn't going to give it to Wolverine. Marrow. I, I, I said to myself, you know what? Characters that work really well on their own 
Bird Brain. You're giving it to Bird Brain. Yeah, Bird Brain. <laughs> I, I was trying to I was trying to uh, give it to characters that flourished in the X Men and don't necessarily have very full solo adventures. Well, real quick, who did you Again, think I was totally gonna, arbitrary? Who did you think I was going to say? Cyclops. Okay, I do love me some Cyclops. Don't get me wrong. And that's who I was going to give my spot to. And then I remembered that Colossus was on my team. And that if I can't have the fastball special, it ain't an X-Men comic. Fair enough. So I'm giving that spot to Wolverine. I get it. I totally get it. I wanted to give it. Also, they have a leader. With Storm there, they have a leader. With Kitty there, they have a leader. The only reason I didn't, like Wolverine is not on my list. He's one of my favorite characters, but I feel like Wolverine is so fine on his own. Yeah, just exactly. being Wolverine that he could leave the X-Men for the next five years and the X-Men could do their thing. And I'd be fine with it because Wolverine's going to be doing his thing and it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. He's Wolverine. Whatever. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty telling that all of the characters that I picked have relationships with each other beyond just being on the same team. You want all your ex people to kiss each other. Kitty pride and Wolverine. Yeah. Kitty pride and Colossus. Kitty pride and Nightcrawler. Kitty pride and Storm. You want Kitty pride to Wolverine kiss all those people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like it, they just fit. They fit totally together. And I think it's, if you're looking at it from a team perspective, you got a very powerful range character. Sure. You got a couple of rogues. You got a tank. You got a fighter. Yeah. Not I'm just, bad. I'm going with icons. I'm going with the icons that stand out in, in my, my life with the X-Men and my, you know, memory of reading the stories and the, my favorite X stories, those characters that just stood out. Like if I had to squint and be like, who's still in focus? That's who it is. You know, the only thing missing is a bard and I'm sorry. Dazzler's not in my top five. Oh man. Long shot. Almost. Made <laughs> so there it is. There's our five definitive X-Men. That was painful. Like pulling teeth. Seriously. I did. It's just because we're fucking nerds and we should probably be more worried about what Trump's doing in the post office. But instead, we put all our efforts into picking five X-Men. <laughs> Look, that's our other podcast. <laughs> My other podcast is about CBD. But anyway, the two-headed the two-headed pundit. We would love to hear your five X-Men. Call us. Not this weekend. I got a friggin' work. I apologize. But call us and cover to cover. And let's talk about your five X-Men. I'd love to hear from you guys. Definitely. Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 585. Next week, the comic bushers are returning to talk about Rachel Ghoul, the demon himself. But until then, Joe Patrick, let's give these nerds a question of the week. It's not new, it is just a question of the week. I mean, if you haven't heard it, it's new to you, I right? suppose, yeah, yeah. This week's question was submitted by Rusky South via text message because we're best buddies. What's your favorite example of an old comic that probably wouldn't make it past editorial today? For example, Rusky sent me a picture of the cover to Betty and Me, number 16. It's from 1968. On the cover, Archie is carrying Betty out of the water. And he proudly exclaims that he had to, quote, beat off three other guys to rescue her. 
So, you know, no judgment, Archie. Whatever, man. Like, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> hey, man, it was a, it was the swinging 60s, free love and all that. We ain't judging. So we're talking about, like, not necessarily just that, but, like, problematic stuff. That doesn't hold up the way yeah, it like, should anymore. In a different context, they don't yeah, work anymore. Exactly. You know, the Joker's boner, that whole deal. But we can even take it further than that. Like, you know, say, I don't know, Ultron falling in love with his mom, for example. <laughs> sure, yeah, I mean, Let's just talk about problematic comics. Now, we are still in need of new question of the week suggestions, so please keep those rolling in. Get them to us via uh, Twitter or email or Facebook or the forums. Or Instagram! We're on the Instagrams now! Oh, we're on Instagram now, yeah. Yeah! Um, With all the cool kids. Maybe don't send us direct messages on Instagram because it's not a great way to communicate. Not not, not, Not that we don't want to hear from you. Nah, go ahead. Do it. Who cares? Cover to Cover is back almost every Saturday from 10.30 a.m. live on our Facebook page. And it's the new home for our nerd news segment. So call us at 402-819-4894 or shoot an MP3 of your answer to nerd at gmail.com. We will make you internet famous. That is the two-headed nerd guarantee. That's true. Please keep it under two minutes. Uh, we have a lot of air to share. As Matt mentioned earlier, uh, he has to work, so there is no cover to cover this Saturday. Sorry, dude. It's uh, we'll super we'll important. I can't help it. They need me, okay? If you're an new- essential personnel. If you're new to this show and you would rather send us pictures of your private parts until we stop podcasting than listen to any more, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is we love pictures of private parts and you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Mr. Tim Benson. We just got word that Tim's company is working on another archive project with Phil Hester. Expect to hear more about that soon. What are they called? What's the company? I can't say it. Uh, Omaha Bound. Omaha Bound. They put out the Wretch Omnibus. They collect comics. They put them in on beautiful hardcovers, stuff that's not in hardcover right now. It's amazing what these guys do. Check them out. Omaha Bound. Uh, I, I do want to say for the record, John Littrell, keep it in your pants. I don't want to see that hawk. Yeah, that weird mashed up thing. Oof. Man, I don't know. Takes what a he, funny turn. I don't know no what thing. he did to that thing. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to three giants of the comic industry that all died on August twelfth. Not this year, different years. Different years. Same day. Joe Same day, yeah. Joe Kubert, Mark Gruenwald, and Mike Rowingo. Each one was a legend in their own time that inspired generations of creators to come. Word to you, gentlemen, your legacies will never be forgotten. I hope guys like Mark Wade and John Byrne and John Ostrander, like maybe they just like stay in bed on the 12th. They're like, I, you know what? I'm calling it. I'm just going to take it. Yeah, it's like, like a day of rest. <laughs> yeah, play yeah. it cool, guys. All right. Like a, like a comics day of morning. Yeah. Don't risk. No, I just mean like don't risk it. Don't go out of the house. Oh, oh you mean like because they're afraid. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just kill off all your favorite artists. This is a two-headed nerd signing off.